With more chat than Vidra's agent, this is From the Rookery End. Welcome to another From the Rookery End Extra. Our chance to give you a little bit more stuff. Can't get it all into a normal podcast. This is a special one about a book that you might want to put on your Christmas list. It's all about Christmas lists and books at the moment from the recurrent. Uh, this one is with, from Johnny Phillips. You might remember him, the man who does reporting live on Sky Sports News, Soccer Saturday. He was the man who was reporting for Sky Sports News during Watford against Leicester in the playoff semi-final. Here we go. It's a fantastic save. Oh, it's a brilliant save from Almunia. A double save. And now the book is called Saturday Afternoon Fever, a year on the road for Soccer Saturday. Uh, it's out now to buy. I started by asking Johnny to explain the concept of the book. The idea behind the book was during the 10 years or so I've worked on Gillette Soccer Saturday, I've done some really interesting features with, with guys whose stories haven't really been told um, in full. And I, I wanted to sort of pen a lasting testament to some of the more colourful characters in the game, especially from lower down the leagues, which, where stories you don't hear about that too much. So I decided over the course of last season to revisit some of my favourites and pen it over the course of the season. And it's obviously called Saturday Afternoon Fever, a year on the road for Soccer Saturday. There's a few chapters in there that will uh, interest uh, Watford fans, uh, particularly with uh, Richard Lee. Yeah, Richard Lee, uh, in many respects, was the, uh, one of the inspirations. I first met him many years ago uh, when he was a Watford reserve player and he appeared on Dragon's Den trying to sell Dr. Cat. From there, I went and filmed his, uh, his cap shop in Leicester, which he ran at the time with his business partner. We did a little feature about that. And then from then he contacted me several years later I went, when he'd written a book. I know he was the Brentford keeper and he'd um, written a book about the anxiety attacks he used to suffer in the game, especially playing for Watford in the Premier League and how he tried to conquer them through various means like hypnotherapy and neuro-linguistic programming. So we went and did a feature about that. It was while I, I was chatting to him in, in his flat in Watford talking about, about what inspired the book that he gave me uh, the contract details for the publisher when I told him that I was looking to do a similar thing. But yeah, Richard Lee is a fascinating character and... Uh, I think he's got some uh, amazing tales. And he really, he really um, opened up about what it was like being a professional footballer uh, when your confidence is low and when you're having these anxiety attacks. And, and some of the games he played for Watford, it's all in the book, he was playing in a terrible, terrible frame of mind because he was just mentally shot to pieces. I mean, that chapter in particular is quite good for, for me as a Watford fan listening because you, you always wonder why players have the off game or aren't quite with it, um, are they, because they've been out late partying. But he certainly had some different, let's say, uh, things on his mind. Yeah, even himself, it's not too strong to say he's in a dark place. There was, uh, there was one trick in particular, it was when A.D. Bruford was manager, and I think they, they had two away games in four days up at Sheffield United and Burnley. And he was in such a low, dark place trying to, trying to get these thoughts out of his mind that, that he was in no condition to play football. And I think... I can't remember exactly, but I think Watford may have conceded quite a few goals in both those games and lost them. It wasn't long before A.D. Boothroyd uh, uh, lost his job. It was fascinating to know, and obviously fans don't see this, and fans often don't understand it. And it was, it was great to speak to him and hear him opening up about the fact that he was taking the field for Watford uh, in, in a state of mind that was absolutely the wrong one to sort of help his team. And now Watford are on the counter-attack! They're bursting forward, they've got a chance, they've crossed it into the box. Oh, I don't believe this! There's a chance for a woman! Oh, 
The other chat's about Watford, the, uh, it, it goes on about the injury time goal uh, that Troy Deeney scored against Leicester in the playoff semi-final. Originally, did you, were you looking forward to covering that game? No, funny enough, I wasn't. The match had been moved to a Sunday, and um, I usually play Sunday league football, so I was a bit disappointed, because I thought, oh, I'm going to have to, when the rotor came around and I was put down to work on a Sunday, I thought, I'm going to have to miss playing, and I much, I much prefer playing the game to watch whatever terrible level it is that I play at. So I wasn't originally looking forward to it, but of course once once it got down there, I thought, well, it's great. It's a you know it's a championship playoff semi-final, brilliantly poised. Let's hope for some, uh, let's hope for a decent game. And it was um, a very decent yeah, game. Well, there, it, I say it was a decent game. There was one moment which where Leicester were given the penalty, which I, you know I was at the other end of the ground at the time, couldn't see what was going on. But you watch the replays, and you certainly think if they had scored that penalty, it would have been an absolute injustice. When you see that sort of those moments at a game is it hard for you as a reporter to sort of keep your your balance that you need to be your fairness I don't think so because I think if you see an injustice you're entitled to convey it I set out watching that game from a neutral standpoint and remain neutral throughout it if something if an injustice occurs within it you want that injustice to be righted it's like when you sit at home watching a match on the telly between two teams that you're not interested in you'll find a reason to follow one or the other Something will happen. There'll always be something that happens. Uh, and uh, during that moment when Cassetti was deemed to have fouled knockout, um, it was quite clearly not a foul. So from then, that moment on, I very much tried to convey the fact that if the penalty is scored, it won't be fair, and justice would only be served if it was missed or saved. And then, of course, we all know what happened afterwards. But your, the video of you watching that game, I felt, was what we all looked like. Um, watching that moment, we, I couldn't see myself. I don't take a mirror to football, football matches. You sort of really conveyed that moment that football fans all over the country, except for Leicester fans, would have been feeling, which was a moment of, this is unbelievable, what, what am I watching? It's funny because quite a lot of people uh, I spoke to afterwards watched it on telly back home, and they said something similar that they were hopping off the couch and jumping around because they just couldn't believe what was unfolding in front of them and I know something similar happened a couple of weeks earlier in the Brentford-Doncaster game but in that game Brentford had to had to score so they'd all piled forward for that penalty and Doncaster just exploited the gap at the back but I think what made that moment amazing not only the fact that Sal Mounia saved the penalty and the rebound on one leg with his injured hamstring but the fact that Watford then deemed it necessary to go up and attack um, as they did when they could have just settled for extra time and likewise, how Leicester found themselves caught out when obviously had they missed the penalty, they should have been in a decent shape to just make sure nothing else happened from then. And it was a factor, you know, it, it swung so violently for the penalty right the way up the other end and the whole move set off by that brilliant touch from Akichi Anya. The, the fact that that happened and was allowed to happen at, at such a critical point of the game, it was amazing and, you know, I, I just lose it, I suppose. Now, um, a few days later, you got a special package from Sir Elton John. Yeah, I couldn't believe that. I was in the office on a Friday. I got a phone call from the receptionist saying the box has arrived for you, and I popped down to the reception, picked it up off security, and sure enough, opened the box, two bottles of champagne and a card from Elton John saying, I, I must have seen your commentary a hundred times, I love it, love Elton, and I could not believe that. That was um, 
that was that was amazing. It was, it was such a nice thing for him to do. I had been told by Jeff Skelling that he does watch Soccer Saturday, uh, but I didn't think he'd be watching that moment. I suppose he wasn't. I suppose he only saw it on YouTube or something later. But yeah, that was that was that was so nice for him to send that. Really nice. Where's the book available from? Amazon's the safest place to go for it. It's called Saturday Afternoon Fever: A Year on the Road for Soccer Saturday. But you can get it on other online bookstores like Waterstones, W. H. Smith. It's out there. Uh, if you just go online, it's in Kindle and paperback, so you'll uh, you'll find it fairly swiftly. And uh, as you mentioned, there's quite a bit on what's in there too. Hola, soy Manuel Almunia. You're listening to From the Rock Radio.